Welcome to the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, discussing all things audiobooks with the authors that write the stories and the narrators that perform them. Brought to you by Viviana, Enchantress of Books. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 10 of the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast. My guest today is narrator and author Karen White, a.k.a. Karen Gray. Welcome back to Audiobook Lovin', Karen. Thank you. I am so happy to be here and hang out with you. Yeah, thank you. For those that are new to the Audiobook Loving family, Karen has been a bit of a staple of sorts to the Audiobook Loving series, which is a month-long event that happens in June, aka Audiobook Month, and has provided some fantastic insights and behind-the-scenes information um, that I will include all the links to in the post for this episode for you guys to catch up on. So because she's been a guest before, we're not going to chat about processes or accents or routines um, because again, we've talked about those in the past. So today we're going to be catching up and it's been going on, you know, what's been going on in Karen's world since we last spoke. But with that said, <laughs> for those that may not know you, why don't you share a little bit about um, yourself and how you became a narrator and how long you've been narrating? Um, so I uh, was an actress, a working actress, um, when uh, my husband and I moved to Los Angeles. And I did a little bit of work there, but um, I was in my 30s, which in LA language is really ancient. So it was kind of not a great way to start getting into on camera. So I met someone who said, or a friend of mine, um, a very good friend of mine said, you know, I, I met this actress up in Seattle who um, does audiobooks, records them. And I just thought of you. And she knew I was, we'd gone to grad school together and uh, she knew I was really into books. And um, I also trained to teach vocal production so I know a lot about the voice and um, so she hooked me up with that woman and she was very generous and talked to me on the phone and gave me some resources and this was a long time ago so um, Audiophile Magazine was around but it was only in print and they had a um, like a index version every year that would that gave all these production resources. So I literally called every audiobook producer or publisher in the Los Angeles, maybe in California. And um, the only person who would return my calls was Dan Musselman, who was then at Dove Audio. And he said, well, this was in Beverly Hills. He said, you know, we, we really only record with celebrities. They did, they would do abridged books. This is how long ago it was um, with celebrities. And he said, but I'm really looking for an editor. Do you know how to use Pro Tools? And I said, yes, <laughs> which I did not. <laughs> but I quickly learned. <laughs> and he was very patient with me. I was terrible at editing. Um, but I was only doing like the first round of editing. So what they would do is this is again in the olden days. So there would be um, a director and a producer and an engineer and some a little assistant running around. So tons of people all working on it. And they would just let the recording run. And then they would, I would drive to go pick up these DAT tapes, digital audio tapes. I would drive back to my apartment, 
I would load them into my computer in real time because that's the only way it would like take as long to load into the computer as the actual recording was. Oh boy. And then I would have the paper <laughs> manuscript and I would do the rough cut. So basically what I would do is find the takes that they wanted to keep and delete the rest and then reload that onto a new DAT tape, which I would then export from my computer also in real time. It was oh just crazy goodness. how long all this took. And then I would drive back to Beverly Hills and give it to them. And so I did this for a while. And then um, finally, Dan, he ended up hiring me when he opened a studio at Books on Tape. And I was sort of like, I was the only employee. I answered the phones. I did casting. Um, I was directing and editing. And then one day I come in on a Monday. He's like, hey, I took my kid to the movies this weekend and I saw you in a preview in a trailer and I had been in this movie it was a pretty pretty big movie and but I was in literally two scenes and I didn't even speak but I was all over the trailer so it seemed like I had a big role and from then on he started hiring me to to do audiobooks wow that's yeah yeah <laughs> I will yep. never again complain about an upload taking on um, my screen saying it takes 20 minutes, but then it goes down to like five ever again. Um. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, they would pay me for that time, which was really crazy. I was oh, just wow. Like okay, that's good. You know? Yeah. yeah. At least at least it that. Yeah. Okay. So still bad, but not that bad then. Okay. Not <laughs> too still, bad. Yeah. No. <laughs> so oh, yes. This was, we, we didn't have, this was still in the dial-up times. <laughs> yeah. Oh, again, I'm, it's I'm an old dinosaur woman. No, you're not. It's amazing. We're, we're in that generation too, because I'm in that generation where I straddle the we didn't, ha you know, books on tape versus, um, you mm -hmm. know, upload MP3. So I I've seen it all, and the way things continue to move in technology just continues to be like, okay, cool. But I still remember, you know. DOS and um, AOL and all this language that some of y'all are not going to understand a thing that we were just talking about, but um, Google is your friend um, if you're interested. But <laughs> it's yeah. amazing how technology has uh, advanced and has made our life a little simpler in some cases. Um, and a lot more complicated in others. Yes, 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 yes. Which is why I write about the 80s. <laughs> well, yes. So this is, that was one of my questions. So why don't we start with, um, if I think when the last time we spoke, at least here in the the audiobook Eleven, you had yet to publish it. I think you had already written it, but your first book was What I'm Looking For, and that's from the Correct. Boston Classic series. Tell us a little bit about the series and each of the books, because there's currently two books that are out. Well, two books and a novella. Yeah. Uh, but, the, but the novella is not quite out in audio yet. It's mm -hmm. on the way. Um, yeah, so I... Um, it took a really long time to write the first book because I was learning how to write and also um, figuring out whether I was, I was trying to publish, uh, figure out if I wanted to publish uh, traditionally or independently. But the first, all three books um, take place in Boston, obviously, Boston classics. And they take place in the late 1980s, um, although they jump around in time a little bit. So throughout the 80s. And um, in every book, one of the two 
main characters is an actor who has a connection to um, this fictional theater company called Shakespeare Boston. And in the first book, what I'm looking for, um, the guy, Will, is um, the actor. He's also a bartender at the Cheers bar, and um, which is a real place. Mm-hmm. And uh, the girl, Kate, is a financial analyst. And they are, it's an opposites attract story. They meet when she um, is talked into going to his bar for a sort of meet and greet with the sales guys um, at her firm. And um, they have kind of a, they're interested in each other, but definitely know that the other person is so wrong for them from the (laughs) beginning. But fate just keeps bringing them together. And then, you know, they work through it all and there's a happy ending. Mm -hmm. And then the second book is called Forget About Me. And it takes place Um, so the first book is in the spring and summer of 88. The second book is in the late summer and fall of 88. And, um, the guy is the actor in this book as well. He, um, he has been, he's from Boston, but he fled Boston, um, the middle of his senior year of college. And, um, when there was a tragedy that happened, And he went to LA and sort of fell in to being a model, um, sort of like a Calvin Klein-esque company. So I don't know if anybody, you can definitely Google Marky Mark Mark. (laughs) Calvin Klein underwear ads, or just go to my Pinterest page (laughs) and you can see lots of them. So he was, he's like a internationally famous underwear model and um it's a second chance love story uh with his best friend's little sister whose name is lucy and um she was also affected by this tragedy and they are brought together by a dog um who shows up on his doorstep and um he takes the dog to the vet practice where Lucy used to work like as an intern um, before he left. And she now works there full time as a vet tech. So then they work through their story. And then the novella is called like it's 19, like it's 1999. Mm And this one actually does not have, these people are friends with all the people we know from Shakespeare Boston, but neither of them are actors. So I lied already about <laughs> how these things work because I didn't plan to write this book. Um, in the first book, Kate has this um, very trying relationship, work relationship with this guy who all the women at their firm call Hot Steve mm. behind his back, but she <laughs> accidentally calls him Hot Steve to his face (laughs) and so he's kind of a jerk but my editor talked me into giving him enough backstory that he wouldn't be a total jerk that we kind of get why he's a jerk I mean he's really just a man whore you know and um and he is you know he's called hot steve for a reason so people really loved him and so I had an idea for a holiday novella Mm -hmm. and I decided to hook him up 
with Kate's best friend, her roommate through college, um, who is Korean American. Her name is Alice. And um, she works in PR and she's kind of a party girl. And so they're kind of two sides of the same coin. Um, but their story is kind of a, it's very much a when Harry met Sally kind of thing where they, they're definitely attracted to each other, but there's so many different reasons why it can't work and it doesn't work and they marry other people and it goes on for like 10 years. Oh, I wow. think 10 yeah. years in a novella. <laughs> <laughs> but then of course they get, they get together in the end. Yeah. It was like a second chance kind of a thing. It's it's amazing when you guys write these stories and provide us so much information and details. And then you realize, I want, you know, you, you think, oh, I want more. And you're like, no, dude, it's a novella. That's it. You, you got all the info. You got the HEA, you know, and like, but I want more because <laughs> we love this. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I just had the idea for the. Um, the structure of it mm-hmm. and. um it takes place over four New Year's Eves. So it's a holiday novella, but not Christmas. Um, and I don't know. I think it works. It's gotten good reviews. And yeah. I'm very excited for the audiobook to come out. Um, I found this. I found narrators who were new to me, mm-hmm. but who um, are just perfect for the roles. Cindy Kay is, um, she is Asian American. And um kind of new but I think she's been a voiceover actress for a long time and she's great and then Ryan West Hi. who I have not heard of but he does have a following yes and he just sounds like hot Steve to me he does a lot of southern <laughs> books mm-hmm. but he's not southern um so Cool. Have you officially announced the casting for the novella? Because I don't, I don't think you, I haven't seen it, but ugh, social media. I don't, uh, well, people, I have not officially announced it because I, this is partly my stupidity, my learning on the seat by the seat of my pants and Audible's difficultness, but <laughs> I don't have a release date. Mm. So I'm just kind of waiting to see when it's going to come out, you know, and I could get one, but it's going to be at least a month away and I don't want to wait that long. So it's out in terms of it's some reviewers have had it and people have been posting on Instagram and Goodreads, mm-hmm. but we don't have a release date yet. So I haven't, I haven't officially announced it. Got it. Yeah. No, that's good. I'm, I've, I think I've listened to Ryan, um, but not a, I can't really recall. There's so many great narrators that you're like, did I know you should? Uh, Maybe. Um, But I know of him and I have heard him, his voice. Um, And, but Cindy is new to me too. Um, And that's usually why when it comes down to the the narrators, I always say need to romance because many of you guys have been in the voiceover business doing other things, you know, whether it's corporate or, you know, some have done anime and things like that. And then I just need to romance as a genre, because, but they've done books in other genres. So it's always right. fun to discover someone new too. It's always like, yay, someone new. So being part of the audiobook world as a narrator, and now we're switching gears to being the author and you're writing the story. What made you decide to have the series set in the eighties? Well, a couple of things. Um, I just, and initially, I wanted to write about being 
I, I felt like, no, a lot of, um, there are several romance books out there that are about celebrities, celebrity actors and people in the movies, but there are very few books, real romance books or even books about just being a regular actor. Um, and so I wanted to write about that. And Boston is also underrepresented, I think, mm -hmm. in the romance world. But it, it's one of my favorite cities because it is a city, but it really feels like a bunch of college towns smushed together or small towns smushed together because it is. You just kind of go from one town to the next to the next. Um, so, and the 80s and early 90s are when I was there working as an actor. So that was the initial impulse. But as I started working on it, it's also what I wanted to go take readers, whether they were alive then or not, back to what it was like to date without cell phones, without apps, without the Google. I mean, you <laughs> couldn't look people up. Um, you know, there were personal ads in the newspaper. <laughs> so, but, you know, you couldn't, we had answering machines, but um, we did not have uh, this instant and incessant forms of communication. So I, I, I kind of wanted to, what, what was it like to date back then? Um, I wanted to sort of bring um, people back. And also because our world has become, has just moved so fast now and, you know, some great things about that, but some not so great things about that. So I also wanted to invoke a nostalgia about when times were simpler, but at the same time, I wanted to really point up the fact that some things were really not so great then. And in the first book, it, right off the bat, you get the sexual harassment that happens to Kate at work. Um, she works in a very male-dominated field, but as anybody who was in the workplace back then knows, it was it was as regular as breathing to have some guy, you know, tap you on the butt or you know hug you a, a little too long or call you sweetie and um, you know it was just or ask you out incessantly <laughs> at work. <laughs> mm -hmm. All these things were just happened all the time. And we didn't even really have the word sexual harassment. It was a legal term, but people didn't use it. So um, I wanted to sort of have that tension between the nostalgia, oh, weren't things great then? But then when we really get into it, oh, you know, we have made some changes for the good. But then the, then the third layer is, but we still have some work to do. Mm -hmm on those issues. So yeah, we've come far, I, but not that far, <laughs> not far enough. Yeah. Yes. So I've had a lot of fun playing with those things. And then also um, it's, I mean, the eighties was a really silly fun time <laughs> in terms of <laughs> pop culture and fashion and just color and hair, <laughs> you know, music. And so then I also have each book has, um, Kind of different little themes woven through. Um, the second book, 
forget about me. The vet tech character, Lucy, is obsessed with making mixtapes <laughs> when she's a teenager. Mm -hmm. And so every chapter begins with uh, a song title and what number it is on which mixtape. Oh that my she God, made. the numbering. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> and I have all the playlists. Um, you can get to them from my website or from my, they're all in my reader group, the Wicked Smart Rom Com Readers. So. <laughs> um, so that, and then in the novella, the sort of thing that's threaded through are movie quotes. So the two main characters discover that they both are obsessed with movies. And so they're constantly sort of quoting movies to each other. Oh, wow. And people have really enjoyed those, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. See, for someone in my age group, it's nostalgic because I was born in the early 80s. So not technically an 80s girl, but remember ah, things in well. reruns. And, you know, but I grew up in the 90s. So I know all about that stuff on this. And when you mentioned the numbering on the mixtape and I'm like, Oh, I remember how I remember doing that. Number four was this song. And, and this generation will never know what it was like to stand by the radio on a Saturday or Sundays for those top 10 lists um, and record the song and hope that they didn't talk over it. Yeah. The intro in the back, you know, so it's, uh, it's definitely nostalgic, but I think you also threw me when you said it was considered a historical <laughs> and I was like, fuck. <laughs> well, <laughs> what the way that I came up with that was that when I was in the process of writing the first book and mm -hmm. when I was sending it to agents and editors, I was also, um, I entered it in a bunch of contests through mm -hmm. the Romance Writers Association, which mm -hmm. I no longer am a member of, but then I was, and um, I entered it. It won as a contemporary novel, but then it also won uh, in this, uh, there's a group that's called Hearts Through History, mm -hmm. and they have a contest, and they have different categories of historical romance, and one of them is modern history, oh. and that's 50s through the 80s. So it has won things in both categories. <laughs> and it also, and then it was a finalist in the Georgia Romance Writers um, Contest, the Maggie, as women's fiction with romantic elements. Huh. So that's when I decide to call it a romantic comedy because mm -hmm. I, to me, there's a few definitions of romantic comedy, but I feel like romantic comedies have kind of replaced chiclet a little bit because no one liked that term anymore. Right. Um, it's sort of demeaning. And, um, but romantic comedy is, uh, has a, is a little bit of a broader umbrella. And so I felt like this book that sort of straddles contemporary and um, history, and it is uh, categorized as both, but for some reason on Audible, the 20th century historical fiction is the top category. <laughs> um, but I think what I like about it is, you know, I'm new and it's going to take a time for people to find me and learn about my books. And I'm satisfied that they're getting good reviews and everything. So 
I, I, I feel like because they're set in the 80s, they're not going to get dated like contemporary romance would. That is true. So if someone reads it in five years, it'll be <laughs> the same. <laughs> it's still you know? relevant because it's it'll happened be so many years. Yes, yes. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just like, I, again, I was like, but then again, I see things on, on social media all the time where people are like, you know, 20 years ago, this, I'm like, no, <laughs> it has not been yeah. that long, you know? Um, yep. Yep. So, or when my niece says something like, Hey, put the oldies on. And I'm like, I put something that's older. She's like, no, it's from the nineties. I'm like, that is not oldies. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think what's kind of cool about the way that young people uh, find music now, mm-hmm. like, it's a little bit of our influence, but both my kids listen to music from all the decades mm-hmm. and, and they don't sometimes even know because they find it on Spotify. They just like the song. Yeah. They don't know if it was a 70s song or a 60s song or an 80s or 90s. So I, I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. Well, I've had the, uh, the, the that, but as well as the arguments with my niece where they bust out with this, you know, a song and they think it's brand new. And I'm like, no, sweetie, that's been sampled. That's an, or- the original song was done back in 1970s or it's, it's a 60s movie, you know, uh, music or even from the 80s or 90s. And they just take a clip or section of it or even they do a redo. Um, and right. like, they, th- they think it's so cool because it's so new. And I'm like, yeah, no. Well, they do the same thing with other <laughs> things now. I mean, they're doing things with the scrunchies and some of the, the wardrobe. And I'm going, yeah, that's like when I was a teenager. <laughs> And, they're like well, and that's another reason that I actually felt that that an 80s series would do well is that I'm the only one writing romance in the 80s, but there's a ton of television set in the 80s mm-hmm. from Stranger Things to Glow to um, The Americans. And there's a new one coming out. I think it actually... Um, it debuted maybe this Sunday called Bridge and Tunnel. Mm. And it's set on Long Island and New York exactly the time of my books. I haven't gotten to see it yet, but. Yeah, I'm adding that to my, to my watch list instead of, you know, surfing all Hulu and Netflix to figure out what the heck I'm going to watch. Um. <laughs> yeah, once, once, once you've watched Bridgerton, really, it, what else is there? Okay, so um, I'm just telling you this. I have yet to watch that yet. Oh, okay. I won't talk about it. <laughs> no, I've, I've, everybody else seems to have been watching it or, or starting to. I just need, I want to find dedicated time where I can watch it and not have other people interrupt me, which is, I'm like, when the hell is that going to happen? But, oh, yeah. You know, um, I had to wait till my husband went out of town for work. See, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm trying to find that. I'm going, trying to schedule it, knowing when no one's going to be in the house where I can at least start watching it. Um, yeah. And I can just enjoy it for what it is. But, you know, it uh there's again it's someone i have not really said one thing or another about it because i'm like i just want to watch it but i also want to have dedicated time to it same thing with the books i want to listen to the books when i know that i can dedicate the time to it even if it is knowing that i'm doing something like laundry which is why i love audiobooks and things like that but um going back to your books um as an author how did you go about casting the audiobooks Well, um, 
I read the first one with Joe Arden and um, I, I did a lot of things actually. Uh, most of the romance I have done has been a little bit older. So it was third person and I rarely have, have not done very many books sort of with another guy. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know a lot of guys. I've known Joe for years uh, personally. Um, but I went, I, I searched in um, the various Facebook fan groups um, for posts people were doing about favorite narrators or mm-hmm. new narrators. Um, I also listened to some books and um, I talked to friends, women friend, women narrator friends, and said, who do you like to work with? Because that is as important to me as what someone sounds like um, and their skills. So um, Joe quickly rose to the top of the list. Um, I knew because Will is a Shakespearean actor, but also um, he his thing is he quotes Shakespeare all the time. <laughs> so I knew that um, I wanted him to be a real stage actor. So Joe just ticked off all those boxes. And um, so that was pretty easy. And then I just had to like beg him to do it, but um, he was very kind about it. And Oh, he's raved about the book. He's, he's raved about it. And he said that he, it's been, it was a great experience and he was honored to have you as an author, but also as a peer want him to be part of that. If I recall correctly, his words. Um, but he's posted that on Twitter and other, and, you know, now that he's on other. Yeah, I've media, seen so, he has been, yeah. he's been very kind. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was great. He was, he was mm-hmm. perfect, I think. And then I, I knew I didn't want to do the other ones. I really want, because they're, they're first person. Um, and I want, a, I wanted a different voice for each one. So I had been thinking about Emma Wilder, who I've also known for years. Um, as Lucy for a couple reasons. One, she's from Boston and Lucy is from this town, Arlington, and her whole family is a little bit more working class Boston. So I, I knew Emma could do the accents. She is awesome with mm-hmm. all the Boston accents. Many yes. people don't know that there are many, mm-hmm. um, but Lucy's big thing is she's she trains dogs as well as works at the vet office and that sort of part of her business really takes off during the book um she trains the found dog to be in a play with (laughs) ben um the hero so i knew that emma in her early actor life had been a dog trainer and so i had been thinking about her doing it for the whole time that i was writing it but the guy i had to go back to my list and re-listen and then I found this guy Brian Polino and um again as soon as it's like I listen to the clips and you know one will just hit me and it'll be like like oh that's him that's him you know um so I contacted him and and he was so great to work with Unfortunately, as you know, I think um, he passed away tragically. So at the end of our process, um, I was actually trying to contact him about doing an extra couple of pickups um, because he had pronounced something wrong. 
And I couldn't, he didn't call me back. And then I found out that he had passed away that weekend. And it was, that was really, that was hard. Um, I felt, I, I wasn't even sure if I should release it, but he had talked to Emma and he told somebody else how much he loved working on it. And he had texted me and emailed me a couple of times saying the same thing to me. And then I, what I did was I wrote his parents and um, I asked for their permission and they were great. So I released it late because of that, but um, I, feel, I feel lucky that he did it. He was so talented um, and I save, I have a screenshot of that text. So I can go back and look at it. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I know Brian was such a wonderful human being, and we lost a great talent in the industry, um, but also in the world as a human being again um, when we lost him. And I know that you had shared that you had cast him for that book, and then when news was shared of his passing, I was like, oh, because I know there was also talk among other authors about should that have yet to publish books that he had narrated. Um, and they were talking like, should we, should we not? Um, I love the fact that you reached out to his parents because his parents had shared that this is something that he loved to do and that he would want the books out there. So I was happy that you did publish it. Um, and he was so, again, so talented. I loved his voice. Um, he just, again, was awesome. It was a tragic loss for us. Yeah. You mentioned the novella again. And as far as Cindy and Ryan being cast, did you have that same spark when you um, heard them in the auditions or? Yeah, I actually found um, Cindy in an article about Korean American writers mm -hmm. and books and narrators. And um, there was a number of them. So I went and listened to them and she was the one she was the only one really doing romance. Uh, and uh, I mean, there are other Asian American women who do romance, but um, who was in that group. And there's just something kind of flirty and smart. And um, she does that just talking to her girlfriend thing, you know, that, that kind of style of narrating um, that just was perfect for this character. And, and Ryan too, it was, um, I just found him through my, my, the same method. I have this list still of guys <laughs> who are, they're all ranked by good to work with. I like what they sound like. You know, there's some that I, that weren't right for either of those, any of these guys yet, but I'm, I'm waiting. My next book, which I just turned in to my editor. So it's still, I'm still writing it. Um, but the guy is a radio DJ. So, mm -hmm. and I, I have an idea of who I want the woman to be, but I haven't talked to her yet. So I can't say, but yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I have to look for um, a guy who'd be a good DJ. So if anyone has good ideas, let me know. Oh yeah. They will definitely be um, DMing you now once they hear this. He's oh. a late night DJ okay. and he has big tragic past. Mm -hmm. I keep taking my romantic comedies into these really sort of emotional <laughs> territories 
Well, they do. They say, you know, it's, it's been said that, you know, a lot of people that are funny um, are, it's a way of coping, the coping mechanism. Um, so mm-hmm. it's just one of those where it might have been the start of the reason why they were They have this humor, but now that's just who they are. Um, and, you know, we all have something in our past that we're not happy about, or that was tragic that happened or things like that. So I think it's just, it's normal human nature which is why I think we love the books in contemporary romance and rom-coms like that, because they're still real to us in some cases. And it's still an escape, yeah. but we can still, um, oh my goodness, what's the word? Relate in mm-hmm. some degree or another to that, you know, character or situation and things like that. So, Yeah, I love that as a reader too. Mm-hmm. I, I want to feel like I could meet this person, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I really try to do that mm-hmm. with my my writing. I, Ryan was really funny when he, after he recorded his part, he he was like, he said it was just so great to to record a character that really had neuroses that I could relate to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's me. I'm the queen of neuroses. <laughs> yeah, well, that's also how we discover things that we you know maybe. We didn't know that that's what that was that we had or that we realized that we may want to travel to this city now if we've never been to it before because of the way that the author described it. I know that's happened to me a few times where I'm like, I never thought about going there. But now after the way that they they share this, I'm, I'm curious and I want to go. Or, you know, finding the character so lovable that you're like, I wish they were real because I want them as my friend because they'd be so cool yeah. as friends. So it's, it's great that you guys as authors can provide this to the listeners and the readers um, all these different uh, options from traveling to, you know, discovering that we may like certain things, whether it's a food because the recipe was included, or in some cases, depending on the genre, a kink that we did not know that we liked or not. So <laughs> it's all a lovely discovery game, which is um, opening, oh. opening the world. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> but now that you've been in both worlds as an author, as a narrator, why don't you, um, Let's discuss a little bit about the the differences between the writing and the acting process. What have you discovered have been these differences? Um, Well, I really think there's more similarities than differences, at least acting as a narrator rather than as a theater actor or, you know, because like writing, narrating is a little lonely. it's really just you in this, you and your various kind of equipment (laughs) (laughs) Um, and your own imagination. Um, I think they, they both require a similar discipline in that just getting yourself to the keyboard as an author and getting your butt in the chair um, for both things, just getting yourself in front of the mic as a narrator. but the hardest thing in both for me is figuring out that good enough. Um, and I think in narrating, you know, in, when you're a theater actor, or even um, I did a lot of improvisation and even the on camera stuff I did, you have a lot of, you have a lot of um, rehearsal or different takes to mm-hmm. sort of find it. And you just don't have that 
luxury <laughs> with audiobooks. You have to sort of get your place, get yourself to a place where you're on and you go. Um, and so similar, I think writing is a little bit more like rehearsing mm-hmm. in that you just have to show up every day and do it. And um, some days you're writing and you know it sucks and you're like, it's okay. <laughs> just have to get it out. Just have to keep moving forward. And then, you know, you come back and, and the next day and you're like, and it just goes and it flows. But you go back to both of those things and there's problems and they're good things. So everything you write, whether no matter how it feels, there's stuff you're going to keep and stuff you're going to throw away. And I think that's the same with narrating too, and all forms of acting. Um, the main, the main um, for me, yoga and meditation mm-hmm. beyond my acting training have, have been the things that have prepared me to do this because for both um, narrating and writing, it's about finding that flow and the way to find the flow is to be present. Mm-hmm. And again, just showing up. And that's what yoga and meditation are about. Every time you sit down or, or stand on the mat, you know, parts of it going to be great. Parts of it not going to be so great. It's going to be different than it was the day before. You know, all these things. Um, part of me feels like, I, oh, I wish I'd taken creative writing more in college and started this earlier. And while I did do a lot of sort of collaborative writing as an actor, I don't think I would have maturity of approaching writing the way when in my twenties, thirties, the that I have now, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, different stages in life. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's work. And for like me, mm-hmm. the fun thing about writing is that I also and because I'm producing my own audiobooks, I I think up fun things that I can do with the audio. So for instance, um, in Forget About Me, there are a lot of flashbacks, which I kind of wrote just to sort of know what this, these characters' original relationship was. But then I decided to use them. And it's hard to make, you know, you can do it with different type on the page, but I was like, how are people going to know that we're now in the flashback? And I decided I have this great editor and he like is so good at helping me figure out how to actually do my weird ideas. (laughs) And so at the beginning of every flashback, you hear this. And it's like the rewind sound. Oh, love it. Of a tape. Mm -hmm. And then when we come back into regular time, it's the forwarding sound which are slightly different yes it is that is true and then in um uh what i'm looking for every chapter begins with an answering machine message and what that does is sort of give us a little preview of what's happening in the chapter but also what what time of day it is and what day it is of the week um, things like that. And so um, I got someone to record the uh, today is Tuesday, June 12th, 
uh, you know, all those announcements that you would hear when you push your play on your answering machine, you have one message. (laughs) So someone (laughs) recorded all those for me. And then um, the editor, he included the sort of beep and then her thing. And then he would put, he put this filter on the machine lady's uh, announcement, but also on the person leaving the answering machine message. So it sounds like it's on a tape. So I'm working on what's going to happen in book three. It'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Well, I, that- I think I know what it's going to be, but. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I think that that's when it comes down to, and you mentioned that the the differences of flashbacks when you're doing it in a traditional book, um, you usually it's via text, like a, one is italic or maybe with different fonts right. and things like that. And when it comes down to audio, I know that I've heard in some books that do flashbacks that that's always a, a review point was like, oh, they didn't realize that that was a flashback moment or so they got a little bit confused. So the fact that you did all that is just phenomenal and fantastic. And very creative. Well, I kind of got, I got the idea from, like I said, I did a lot of improvisation um, Mm -hmm. in the past. And this goofy thing that we would, many people, maybe all improv people do this. It just gets passed around. But the people I worked with, like when you would do a flashback in the middle of a scene, you would wave your hands up and down, like in, in a wavy fashion in front Mm -hmm. of your face and go, is that from like Wayne's World or something? Uh, I don't know. I used to be. Who does it anyways? Does that too? We, yeah, oh yeah. So we, we were trying to re- recreate the rewind thing on a screen that you would see on a videotape uh, in person. So that's what I was. That's what gave me the idea. Yeah, I stole it. All good things are stolen. <laughs> it's also how it's used i think that uh, now that i'm remembering i think even back then we used to when we wanted to hear something again that someone said we're like rewind that again and they would do that hand motion as you were talking Mm. so um because as i'm recalling some conversations that might have happened um (laughs) many guests have mentioned that they're after doing a few audiobooks they've started to write with the audiobook in mind how was that for you? Well, definitely that has affected my writing <laughs> style. Having recorded books for many years and mm. knowing the irritating, you know, things that I don't like to have to read. And, you know, a big one is um, dialogue tags. Mm-hmm. I avoid them as much as possible. Um, but other things I realized when I was writing today uh i think i avoid giving extremely specific descriptions of people's voices Mm. because instead i try to be very specific about what they look like and emotionally what's happening um and more about size and things that affect their body and and what would affect the sound of your voice but it is really hard when when an author mm-hmm. describes a voice so specifically to sometimes to you can't recreate it and it's really frustrating so i think i'm very aware of that um so 
and also I, I think not everyone is like this, but when I read a book just for fun, which I do, um, <laughs> I, not all narrators do, no, yeah. <laughs> um, I hear it in my head and I always have, mm-hmm. that's just how my imagination works. I'm not, I don't see it as much as clearly. And so that's true for me um, as a writer as well. I tend to write dialogue first because I hear it. Mm-hmm. And then um, and then I'll go back because I have to really work to see it to write in the stage. I mean, not the stage direction, but I guess it is stage direction. Sort of what is happening physically uh-huh. between yeah. the people or where they are in the room. What is the room? All those things. Interesting. I know I, I've said it. I know others have said it too about how when they read a book, they almost they see a movie in front and they see it. I never really thought about hearing because when I when I'm reading something, but I know that you're narrating it or Joe is or someone else. I hear them in my head as I'm reading, mm-hmm. um, you know, so that, that, that's also a little weird sometimes. I'm like, I'm yeah, because <laughs> you, you hear them in your head. But I've never heard it where you as an as a writer hear it before you actually see it so that's interesting but that's just me I think yeah I'm a I that's how my imagination works and then before I see it I kind of feel it in my body um that's again that's just stronger for me emotional I feel the emotions I'm I'm, I'm no I must look really weird because I'm I think I start like moving around in the chair or my face makes different expressions. Yeah, but we see that with uh, all types of artists when whether it's uh, the musicians, sometimes when they're drumming or they're on the guitar, there's some, you know, they'll do some, you know, face, you know, structures and things like that, that they're different or when they're painting and things. I think it's just trying to get that feel of what you're trying to per you know, project as far on the paper or on the painting or in the music. I saw someone posting today about asking if other people sort of mirrored characters' expressions and actions when they were listening. And a bunch of people said that they did. And I I can see that. It must look so weird if, you know, you're like listening in the car and someone looks over and you're just... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> get out with your <laughs> yeah yeah stuff like that happens when you're like they said what wait what Ooh, whoa hmm. and then you're like in the grocery store and you're going or you stop <laughs> moving because you're so intense like i know that um when i was doing the day job it was cubicle world so i had the earbuds in my ear and i got to listen to all this these books but sometimes as you're doing a spreadsheet, you get so in, involved in the book because it's that intense scene or there's, you know, some sexy time that's about to happen and you just stop what you're doing. And then you're like, oh, I have a deadline and you have to go back to, <laughs> <laughs> to typing. And you're like, I think I need a break from the audiobook. But, you know, I've had friends share on social, on, you know, on Twitter and other places that they've been grocery shopping and they just have to stop because they realize that they've been in the same aisle for way too long and not grabbing anything from the, you know, shelves. They're just, they're just staring. Yes. Blindly. <laughs> like, are you okay? And like, the cans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We so. heard when the last, no, 
the first book lovers convention that was in New Orleans. Uh-huh. You did not go to that, right? Uh, no, not or the first you? book. Well, I, I had gone to when they used to be the RT book lovers convention. And right. I remember over. we did that yes. panel there. Yeah. Well, they, we, a bunch of us, um, a group of us, small group of us went to book lovers when it was in New Orleans. And this, this woman told this amazing story about when she was listening to a romance novel at work um, on Bluetooth oh boy. earbuds. Oh boy. And she worked like with, in a room with a bunch of men <laughs> who were all drafting at tables and somebody needed her. So she just walked away from her phone with the Bluetooth still in. And she did not realize that when you do that, it just starts playing on, on the phone on speaker. Yep. And she comes back and like every guy in the room is around crowded around her desk <laughs> listening to this really intense sex scene <laughs> oh and they were like are they all like this <laughs> <laughs> i thought that was the best story oh gosh you know that's, that's actually one of the better ones usually it's the uh... I was in the car and then, you know, they've, they, it's happened through drive throughs um, or in other offices situation oh. where the Bluetooth got disconnected and you have to, you know, quickly scramble to get it to stop because that's also when that doesn't happen. You're like, where's the stop button? And it's hiding um, just to torture you. Yeah, because but, it's in your, um, yeah, your lock a, screen. Yes, or something. And then, but it's, I, I know that it's happened to others in their cars, uh, drive throughs, grocery stores, work environments. It's happened, I guess, to it, wherever it could happen, it has happened. The reactions have mm-hmm. always been mixed and interesting. But that one, um, that, yeah, I think that's going to be one of my favorites to reference because that's a funny one. It's one of the things I do love about the book cons and going to them. So I'm really hoping that we'll get back to that, be able to do that, is that sharing a story sometimes when you get to meet you guys as a narrators, because I love that you guys have been going to them more often. Um, but getting to meet you guys and having these stories where like, you know, you were listening to, to you and blah, blah, blah. And then this happens and kind of realizing that people are listening to you guys from the, you know, even though you're in the booth by yourself, we get to hear now this final work. So you're not that lonely at the end. Yeah. Of the I mean, so many of us, come from live theater mm-hmm. where we are used to that immediate feedback mm-hmm. you know um, when you say something funny or you move people you can hear it and it is it is nice to get it's lovely it's mm-hmm. uh, to get the feedback that people actually do listen <laughs> and <laughs> you know and that they have um positive experiences Yes, laughed out loud and, uh, or in some cases gotten through. I know that I had one friend that said something like, yeah, that audiobook really got me through that boring meeting. And I'm going, you were listening to an audiobook <laughs> during a meeting? They're like, yeah, we were on mutes and we were just, you know, could have been done in a memo, but you know how I'm like, oh, I get those meetings. Yeah, got it. Um, <laughs> but I guess that's one of the good things now in the world that we're living in currently in having the social media and the technology is that you guys get to get some of this feedback and reaction from the listeners via dms and on social media posts so yes um, that's nice too it is nice yeah Mm -hmm. it's nice to um both as an author and a narrator to Mm -hmm. you know just oh my goodness i'm sorry my stomach is making noises um (laughs) 
to, which is a problem in the booth generally, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely, it's scary in both situations, you know, because not, I mean, most of us don't read audible reviews because people, you know, say what they think and not everyone likes what you did. And mm -hmm. um, it's, it's scarier yeah, to read or to see responses for your for my writing because it's so much more me you know mm -hmm. I don't share <laughs> anyone to criticize with I guess narrators but I've been lucky yeah narrators that people mostly adore <laughs> well it's also you have um, you're really talented as a writer and you have provided these awesome books for us to listen to. So thank you for that. Um, well, mentioning you <laughs> mentioning the theater and the acting and stuff. One of the things that you and I were emailing back and forth about um, as far as, you know, anything that you wanted to discuss or, you know, figure out we were talking about for today. Um, and I found it really interesting because I never thought of it when it came down to audiobooks. I know that it happens on for actors on TV and movie and film, and as well as, as, you know, on the stage, but aging out was not something I ever thought about audio because again, I'm not seeing you. I don't know what you look like unless you know, like, I know what you look like, but you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, you know, you had mentioned about how that's something that people may not even consider, you know, um, what was it exactly that you want, like, like share with us what you mean by aging out. Cause that's something to the uh, term that we all easily hear. Well, I just sort of noticed that I was getting fewer and fewer um, romance titles to narrate. And then I, because of a series that I'm working on a mystery series where I've, it's, it's kind of interesting. I, I'm doing, I started this series halfway through in the like 2007, I think. And we just kept going forward. But then the publisher acquired all the earlier books and there's about 15 of them. So I have, I've gone back to the beginning. Um, and over the course of these books, the kids go from literally age zero to age 20, and she has four of them. So um, I'm not recording them in order. So I'm having to jump around and, you know, change the people's, the characters' ages a little bit. But what I have and that I'm still using for character references, um, I'm sure you've had people talk about this, where we record little samples mm -hmm. of characters so we can keep track of them from book to book when, when there's a series. Um, and so I have all these samples of me recording these, the first and first few books of this series that I did back in 2007, 2008. And I was just blown away with how different my voice sounds. And then this summer, <laughs> I got casted like three books in a row where I was a grandma. And then the final straw was when I recorded my own book and I read the reviews because I'm looking for marketing, you know, little quotes to put in little marketing things. Yeah. And 
someone, at least one, maybe two people said, I don't know, she just sounds too old to be this 26 year old character. And, you know, she was right. I mean, I don't want to discourage you from listening to what I'm looking for. And <laughs> now you'll be thinking, ah, she sounds so old. But um, I think it's just little glimpses mm-hmm. for the most part. But, you know, your voice changes over time. And there's parts of my range that are no longer available to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's uh it's been interesting and it's sort of sad because i loved recording romance um it's just the emotionality of it mm-hmm. is unique yeah uh not most books i mean some literary fiction but there's no emotional roller coaster like a romance novel mm-hmm. so someone needs to write you know some romances about older women well that's that's the other thing. Why I, <laughs> well, you do have a solve there, right? Um, but that's also yeah. why I wanted to talk about this because it has been brought up in some reviews uh, about some narrators where, and both men and women, that um, that they don't sound that age. And I'm and I have never. There's certain you know I'm going well. I had an when I, I remember when I was 18, I had friends that were 19 and 20. As like when it comes down to like the males that they, de- they did have that deeper range voice at that age. So I never thought a bit about it as far as an age thing, because I, you know, I had friends that had the deep resonating voices, but the same thing with some of the, uh, from the girls, when they have that deeper huskier voice or have a different lower range that, that some people might think that they sound older, but I'm going, I also have friends that were like that in their twenties. So I never really thought about it from an age thing. But I also think that as the longer I'm listening to audiobooks, that I've known that you've been doing this for a while, or some of the other ones have been doing this for a while. And I get to, this is also where I say, sometimes keeping that mystery is a good thing, because that we don't know Mm. exactly how old they are. So they can portray that character that's in their 40s, if they need to, and also do the guy in the 20s or the girl in the 20s, in the age range. But I think sometimes when we know you guys as appearances and as real people, um, that might be a factor. But I also know that's also why I wanted to talk about this is that the age, um, you know, conversation has been coming up that people want to read romance where the heroine is in their 40s and in their 50s, because a lot of us listeners are in that age range, you know, late 30s, 40s and 50s. And you know, so there are a lot of um, more books that are coming out in romance. They may not be an audiobook yet. So that's something too that we do need to advocate for is to have more audiobooks from these uh, um, the authors that are writing these great stories. Um, but there have been a call to action kind of a thing. Like, I want my heroine to be closer to my real age because, like I use as an example, when I was in my 20s, I did not land an internship with a really hot boss, you know, you know, or, or I did that, been there, done that. I don't want to redo it again. I'd rather have something closer to my age group. So there are right. out there that are doing it. But again, I never really thought of it from an audio perspective because it's audio. You know, I don't know what you look like unless I do, you know. So now I use my imagination. So you tell me that you're the hot blonde with a six pack. Great. That's what you are um, today. Tomorrow you'll be somebody else. <laughs> well, we definitely do have a lot more latitude than 
someone working on camera. Yes. Um, and people on stage actually have more latitude than people working on camera. You can get away with a lot more. And, you know, I did, I've had a lower voice my whole life. I, but I also didn't play ingenues when I was younger. You know, I was always the funny one. I was never the, um, the, the love interest on stage. So um, I think it's a little bit my voice, but it has just gotten even lower. Yeah. <laughs> and and um, yeah, I mean, mm. I, I don't, I've never done children's books except for Mrs. Piggle Wiggle, which is sort of an odd little genre to itself. Um, and I think for some women, they have that sort of childlike sounding voice. And yeah, that's that's a limitation as mm -hmm. well but um and and guys but um yeah it's uh i'm a little bit sad about it but it's also you know i'm i'm fortunate in that uh, half of my work is nonfiction, so having a voice that sounds more authoritative and sort of more gravitas that really serves that so mm -hmm. and i love doing it but yeah. I always liked having my little romance dessert. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you can provide that dessert in a different platform, you know, different format as far as you being writing it for us. You know, That's there, what I'm doing. Yeah. Because again, like I said, there is interest. In, we do want that older heroine. Yeah. I do have an idea, but I won't be able to record it because she's African-American. Mm, yeah. It's a character who's already appeared in this mm -hmm. series. Yeah. Well, we have lots of great narrators out there of all different backgrounds and ethnicities. And uh, and so it's, uh, again, one of those things that is important to a lot of us is having that, you know, um, own voice as well as re representation yes. in the characters. So that's good, too. Yep. And it's, you know, it's it's a that's another tough thing for as a writer. You know, I want to create these a, car a a world that is full of people like you know, the theater world was when I was working in it. But then I want to, you know, do a book for this character and she's African-American. And so that's a tough thing, you mm -hmm. know, um, even writing a Korean-American character, she is based on someone I know and, and who, um, I'm uh, my college roommate. And, and she spent a lot of time with me on the phone um, telling me her stories, which I stole, um, <laughs> but also then reading the book as a sensitivity reader um, and letting me know, you know, you know, in her opinion, there was nothing offensive or upsetting. I was glad about that. But I think that's important, you know, um, if it's not my own voice that I work hard to bring other people into the process that help me make it accurately representative well i think it's the same thing if you if you're writing about a, a skydiver or a firefighter and you're not either one of them or have ever done it it's to get those terminologies and to get some of those stories um it's the same thing when it comes down to heritage and ethnicity and, and culture because that's the other thing too yep. it's important so i love the fact that you're doing that and you're bringing other people in to have these conversations and to check that this is still a good thing and accurate because otherwise we're going to be like that's not how we do it and that's fun for me too. I mean, I I had long conversations with friends and family members who were vet technicians. Um, the first 
the character in book one, who's a financial analyst, is based on a friend of mine experience. Um, mm-hmm. So many things, so many details. She was like, you can't put me in the acknowledgments. I'll get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I know you love People me. People will know. Yes. <laughs> it's me. Yeah. <laughs> and they'll be mad. Yeah. It's like, uh, I know you love me. You don't need to put it in writing. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. On a little bit of a lighter note, because <laughs> that's a topic that's extremely important, but I know that we can probably yeah. talk about it for hours and bring other people into the conversation too. So that might be a good thing for some. That would be a great, yeah, like mm-hmm. a big conversation. Yeah, that, that is something too that I do want to do in, in a world where right now we're not doing panels um, and conferences to have these kind of important conversations is to have and use the podcast to be able to have some like these roundtables conversation about different things and that it's important in our, in our world that we live in now, and especially those in the audiobook industry and as listeners that have, you know, we're part of that community as listeners. And so that's something that I'm working on for this year is to, to figure out a way to do that. So I'll get with you on that because it is important to me um, and I'd love to do that. So I will get with you that off. Yeah. <laughs> but um, as a narrator and as an author, one of the things that both have in common are words. So what is your favorite word? Hope. That's a nice one. And uh, what is your favorite curse word? Fuck. <laughs> That's a good one. Shit I think. as a close second. Oh, okay. Yeah. Both of them are so, you know, interchangeable as far as, you know, this using them as, you know, nouns and all this other fun stuff. I know yeah. that, you know. That's always a good thing. Well, we've reached this um, part of our segment that, you know, it's the game time. And uh, one of the new games that we have that are playing with our guests is Two Truths and a Lie. This is where our guests um, will tell us me three things about themselves, of which two of them are facts and one is a lie. And we have to guess. And I say we because the listeners are playing along with me. At least they are in my head. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk about that, Viviana. Yeah. another conversation a half offline <laughs> yeah <laughs> so if you're ready we can start with um, you telling us three things and have us figure out which is true or not well I just have to say that I love this game because um we played it with our kids at the dinner table for mm. years until I somehow revealed without realizing that it was a big revelation that it was actually suggested by a parenting psychologist as a way to get kids talking about their day. And they felt like for years we had been manipulating (laughs) them. (laughs) But we still play it. Um, So I love this game. Um, All right. So two truths and a lie. Um, Okay. One is I have been narrating audiobooks since 1999. Um, another thing is I am going to be a panelist as at a book festival in March as an author for the first time. And the other thing is I've never used a pseudonym as a narrator. Mm. Okay. Tricky. Yeah, because you're going I'm tricky. 
I like to call it creative. Um, <laughs> tricky. <laughs> okay, fine. Tricky, tricky. I'm good at this, let me tell you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Many years of playing with the children. Yeah. Um, which gives me an idea for my kid. Um, let's see. So narrating since it really works. Yeah, you have to tell me how that's actually a way to talk about the day. So we'll, again, we'll talk because about it. Gets, because we do it, if you do it every day, it has to be something that happened that day. That, oh, that's true, because that's like, what else can I tell you, mom, right? Okay. Right. That that makes sense. Thank you for that. So now we also have something educational that we can do, even with our friends, just to see how they're doing. So yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. So narrating since 1999, panelist as an author for the first time in March, and never used a pseudonym as a narrator. <sighs> okay, so I know that narrating since 1999 is a truth. Probably read my bio. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about that. <laughs> well, you know, a good host will do that. <laughs> but um, a past as an author for the first time is very possible as well, but also March. And now you didn't, um, I don't think you specify specifically if it was in real time, like real person or person versus virtually, because those are happening too. So I think that's a truth, which means that the pseudonym is a lie. I think you've narrowed on your pseudonym. Are you asking me or are you making your choice? I am making my choice as a pseudonym, never narrating as a pseudonym as a lie. You have won. Yes. I used a pseudonym for a couple of romances early on. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, fuck it. I'm not doing this. <laughs> <laughs> you have enough and things then, to keep up with. <laughs> yeah. But I have also, I've used a pseudonym a few times for titles that veered into political territory that I wasn't comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Or that I knew were going to get a lot of like viral attention, and I just didn't want to be associated with, with that. Yeah, but well, yeah. lots of different reasons why anybody would want to use a pseudonym. All valid. Yeah, all valid. Um, but tell me about this panel that you're doing in March. Oh yeah, I'm really excited about that. So um, last March, I was scheduled to do um, an audiobook panel with Andy Arndt and Paul Heitch, mm -hmm. um, at the Virginia Festival of the Book, which is in Charlottesville, Virginia. And um, all of us live kind of near enough there that mm -hmm. um, we can drive and you know stay overnight and everything, but I have family there. And I had done that festival before quite a few years ago. So I was very excited about it, but then COVID happened. Mm -hmm. So that festival was canceled, but this year it's happening um, uh, virtually. Mm -hmm. So we are also, we're able to add another narrator um, whose name I'm, oh, Ron Butler. I don't mm. know him, but he's Yes, awesome. I do. He's awesome. So we're doing um, an audiobook panel for authors. So to talk to authors about um, how to get into audio or how to manage their audio. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned to the organizers um, that I had published a couple of books. And so they put me on a romance panel as well. 
That's awesome. Congratulations. As an author. So I'm doing two panels, mm-hmm. both of them, obviously virtual, but live. And the cool thing is, I mean, this is a great um, book festival anyway. It's very, it's the town is really supportive and it's integrated with their schools. It goes on for like a week and a half. Yeah, I've heard um, of it. Um, so, but now it's, um, anybody can go because it is online. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can either do it, watch it live, or you can watch a recording. So I'll send you the link if you want to put it up, but oh, I'll, yeah, I'll definitely about it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'll be definitely asking and, and looking for that because I think, it's a great way. Um, again, sucks that we have to live in this world right now where we can't see each other and give each other a hug. But I also think that it's a good way to learn uh, how to do things virtually to make things a little bit more accessible to those that may not be able to travel to these events. Right. In the um, because it's so th- these topics, you know, for authors is really important. And, you know, the panels that you and I have done in the past about marketing for audiobooks is also something that I'd love to do again. Um and just to be able to have it accessible to those, to everybody that needs them versus just able to attend these events. It's really cool. So, but congratulations on doing uh, your first panel you. as an author. That's so exciting. I know. Very Thanks. excited. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for telling us. It's awesome. So before we go, why don't you tell us what you're currently working on that you can share, of course, and what's coming next for you? Um, well, the series that I was talking about, um, I do, if it's a cozy mystery series, which mm-hmm. I think there's some crossover and I do recommend, um, it's the Leslie Meyer is the author. It's M-E-I-E-R and it's the Lucy Stone series. And I've always loved these books because they're, Lucy is, um, is very uh, interested in social justice. So there's always uh, something that is, um, connected to that in the in the books um so i'm if you're interested by september i think the entire series will be out but these books even though they are written she wrote them in order and like i said her kids grow up over the course of it and her her life changes but they are all based on um holidays or things that happen at a certain time of year so they're releasing them by at the holiday so coming out soon is Valentine's Day murder and Irish parade murder. Um, and then some books that I had come out in the fall uh, that I want to recommend. They're a little more serious, but um, I read a memoir that is one of my favorite books. It was definitely my favorite book last year. It's called Mobile Home. and it's a memoir about this woman who grew up, who lived in a different place at least once a year, if not more than once a year throughout her childhood. And so she sort of writes about what that did to her, you know, and, and, um, but it's not very linear. It sort of jumps around in time and, but her writing is really beautiful. And, and I loved reading that book. And then I read a couple of nonfiction books that I think because of what's going on in our time, I found to be really educational. Um, One is called Something Must Be Done About Prince Edward County, and it's by Kristen Green. And it's 
um, she's a white woman who grew up in Prince Edward County, Virginia, but she did not know that the private schools that the private school that she attended um, was created in part by her grandfather in order because the the county decided to close the schools in the 60s rather than integrate them after Mm -hmm. the Brown versus Board of Education ruling. So this county had no public schools for five years. Oh, wow. And so the, the book is great. She does a great job of sort of examining her own family's role in this, as well as taking you back and covering the history of everything that was going on. So that's a really great book. Um, and then another one, which is again, nonfiction, but eye-opening. And I think import, an important book for people to be reading is called Hate in the Homeland. And um, it's basically about um, uh, extremism in our country that we all are becoming more and more acquainted with. Mm-hmm, unfortunately. But again, it's a, this woman is an expert and um, I think it's a, it's important stuff to know. Mm-hmm. Yep. I will definitely include le- these in the post for this episode. So thank you for that and for sharing what's coming up next for you. And um, did you have a date for your, you said um, for your next book, you're still writing it, correct? Yes. Um, it will be coming out late spring. Okay. Um, but I don't, like I said, I don't know who's narrating it. Um, you'll keep us posted. I think I have an idea. I will. Yeah. Yeah. You'll keep us it posted. Is called, <laughs> it's, have a name. it's called You Spin Me. And again, it's about... <laughs> I love that song. So, all, I mean, all my titles are parts of songs of the times. If yeah. no one noticed, now you know. Yeah. So, um, this one is about a DJ and a dancer slash actress. Mm-hmm. So that spin mm-hmm. thing yep. is multiple references. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> now I'm going to have that song stuck in my head, which is a great song. So that's okay. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I yeah, all the lot of music in these books. Which yeah, is mm-hmm. perfect. Well, thank you so much, Karen, for taking the time to hang out with me today. It's been a pleasure as always. Um, if you're not following Karen on social media and basically wherever she's at, don't wait another minute to do it. I will include all her links <laughs> so you can find her easily in the episode. Come say hi. Yes, definitely. Yeah, that's another thing. Just don't just follow. Just like, but interact. It's you know, it's important, and you get to know the authors and the narrators better. So it's important. It's they're fun individuals. You can find the links in on this episode's post at VVM Enchanters of Books. Thank you. Bye. And until next time, happy listenings. A heartfelt thank you to all of our audiobook loving podcast Patreon. Special thanks to Jen Franklin, Brittany Cottingham, Leanne Schwartz. Christy Reitz, Mendy Summer, Jesse Stafford, Chrissy Font, Rhonda Pezzarello, Evelyn Clarisi, Michelle DaCosta, Emily Dye, Michelle Bestard, Farah Blair, Candice Plotel, Carol Liebner, Bethany Crane, Teresa Martin, Jennifer Mirabelli, Kaylee Loring, Victoria Butler, Alyssa Prendergast, Rula Hart, and Carrie Wallace. The Audiobook Lovin' Podcast has special Patreon access levels. Join today to receive early access to podcast episodes, 
exclusive content with our guests, and much more. Support the podcast by becoming a patron at www.patreon.com forward slash audiobooklovin'. We thank you for your support. Thank you for joining us on the Audiobook Lovin' podcast, hosted by Viviana, Enchantress of Books. For links and more information discussed in today's episode, previous podcasts, or the Audiobook Lovin' series, please visit our website, vivianaenchantressofbooks.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a positive review wherever you listen to our podcast. Until next time, happy listening.